Why don't we, before I say anything else that might put my foot in my mouth, why don't we go ahead and pray for our time together. Lord, we thank you so much for uh, your goodness to us. Thank you for this morning, for these men, and for the opportunity to to share uh, this morning. I pray that you would guide my words and that I would be uh, a vessel for you and that you would be uh, honored and glorified through what is shared today. And I pray that uh, each one of us um, would be encouraged and challenged in our faith. Thank you for the food that you provided for us and for the time ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'd like to share uh, an experience that I had recently at a race. Uh, It was was a few weeks ago uh, that illustrates what I I think the Lord has prompted me to to, uh, share with you this morning. And so I'm going to share a bit of a story uh, first of something that happened to me the other day. Um, And then I want to share a few application points from that experience, and then I have um, paper on the table. You don't need to fill it out right now. Uh, If I think, I don't know that that table got paper, so we may need to share if there are extras on your table or, but anyway, uh, at the end of our time together, I'm going to have you answer some questions and then open it up for some group discussion, but you know, a few, a few weeks prior to the race, to the story that I'm about to share, I was at a Christian school conference in Houston. I work with North Star Marketing. We focus on marketing for independent schools, faith-based schools around the country. And I was at a conference uh, in Houston for a, um, for a, a gathering of large uh, Christian private schools around the nation. And a gentleman was sharing um, on the Proverbs 27.10 passage that reads, Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. And what he shared that morning really stood out to me, and I I felt prompted even really in that moment that uh, that might be the theme that I need to focus on for uh, our time together this morning. But I didn't really know um, for a couple of weeks after that, that message, uh, the direction that I wanted to take it. So a few weeks later, a few weeks after that conference, uh, I headed to Apex, North Carolina with Carrie uh, and also with dad and mom for the American Tobacco Trail 10-miler that I'd been training for for a couple of months. And <clears throat> dad and I were planning to run the 10-mile race. It's a distance that I had not run since college days when I ran in the Krim, uh, which was a 10-mile race up in Michigan. Um, And Carrie and Mom had trained for the four-mile race that morning. I usually average uh, somewhere between eight to eight and a half minutes per mile for a a longer distance uh, run. And so that was was sort of the range that I was aiming for that morning. Um, But really, my primary aim was just to finish. It had been you know, a long time uh, since I had run that long or that far. Uh, but in my training, I had only worked up to eight miles. So the day of the race, I was adding two miles to what I had trained for. <clears throat> Probably not a great plan. Um, there were just over 300 people running in the 10-miler that morning. And the weather was great. It was sunny. It was a cool, crisp, 40-something degree day, perfect for 
run, and um, after I had walked and stretched and got some water, hit the Portage on one maybe more than one time, uh, that morning <clears throat> I started to the finish line, or excuse me, to the starting line, I wish I'd started to the finish line, uh, to begin the race. <clears throat> the horn sounded at about 8.50, uh, which is an odd time, but that was the time the race began that morning, and we were off, and for those of you who have run in races, you know that when there are hundreds of people running with you, there's something different um, about running that morning. It's a lot different than, you know, dragging your behind out of bed by yourself to force yourself to go train. It's very different. The adrenaline begins to pump from, from minute one uh, when there are hundreds of people around you running and aiming for the same thing. <clears throat> so the race started out well. I was checking my run app frequently uh, to, to make sure that I was staying around the eight-minute pace. Um, I knew that <clears throat> if I didn't keep tabs on it, my tendency would be to push myself harder than I should and regret it later. So I was keeping tabs on it pretty well. About a mile and a half to two miles into the race, <clears throat> I noticed that a guy I had passed a few minutes before was running right behind me. And when I say right behind me, I mean I could have reached out and touched him he was right behind me. <clears throat> and yeah, um, I didn't think a whole lot about it uh, right at first, but as he continued to stay behind me, when I would move to the left to run around somebody, he would move with me. When I would move to the right to run around somebody, he would move with me. Like, this guy is staying with me. He's drafting me. Um, like, what, is, what in the world is going on? So the course is pretty straightforward. It's a five-mile run. Uh, out and then a five-mile run back, right? So I didn't say anything to this guy. I didn't really acknowledge him um, for the remainder of the first five miles. But when we hit the turnaround and started to go back, I turned to him and said, hey, we got this. And it was like there was an immediate connection. He, he pulled up next to me almost and said, okay, so yeah, how do we, how we want to do this? <laughs> Like, like we're a team, you know? We've been training for months for this together. Like, how do we want to do this? He said, he said, you know, I like the pace you're setting so far. Like, yeah, I can, I can tell you. You've been right behind me for the last three miles. Um, he said, you know, I'm afraid that if I set the pace, I'm going to be too aggressive. So I, I kind of like the pace you're setting. If you don't mind, would you mind just keep, you, you lead and I'll follow you. So, okay, sounds good. So I agreed, and just like that, a guy that I had met 10 seconds before uh, was suddenly um, connected with me, and we were running as a team. He was no longer just drafting off of me, and I was wondering what in the world this guy was doing. Uh, we had decided to help each other make it the rest of the way. Just like that, within a few seconds of talking, we were together. Somewhere along the way, <clears throat> we passed another guy who had been ahead of us for a while, and after a moment, I turned around and noticed that he was also right with us. Um, and he said, hey, uh, if, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to just hang out with you for a while. <laughs> sure. So there's now three of us running together. About three and a half miles from the end of the race, um, the first guy who had, running, who had started running behind me asked how I was doing and if he wanted me, uh, if, if, he wanted, uh, if I wanted him, excuse me, to lead for a while. And I told him, I, I, I'm doing okay, but I would love to follow you for a while. That'd be fine. So we, we, um, we swapped places, and I was now in the middle of our threesome, and he was leading the way. 
um, the guy that led the way, that started leading the way, started picking up pace. Just like he told me he was afraid he would do, he began to do. Uh, but it spurred me on to run faster than I had planned to run um, for a while while I was, I was following him. About a mile and a half uh, from the finish line, so I had been following him for maybe two miles, <clears throat> he slowed down to take a cup of water from one of the water stations, and I pulled up beside him and asked if, um, he asked if I wanted to take the lead back over, so I did. About one mile from the finish line, I noticed that I didn't hear his footsteps behind me like I had for the previous eight miles, um, <clears throat> almost. And I looked around to see that he had come to a complete stop right at the one-mile marker, and, uh, but he was, like, waving me to go on. <clears throat> so for a few seconds, because, you know, we were suddenly connected, for a few seconds I struggled, like, ah, oh, should I stop and wait for this guy? Uh, but my competitive uh, nature uh, won the argument that was only about a half second long, and I kept going. So he started up again, and I thought, hey, is he going to sprint? Maybe he's going to sprint for the last mile and try to pass me, uh, but he didn't. I think he um, did what he said he was afraid he would do. He pushed himself too hard, and he did not end up passing me for the rest of the time. Uh, in fact, he fell a little bit behind. So I, I, I crossed the finish line. I was um, <laughs> heaving for breath. Uh, Carrie was already there waiting for me. She had... After we had started our 10-mile, she and mom had gone and run the four-mile and then came to the finish line to wait for us. <clears throat> and so I, I stood at the finish line, though, and waited until this guy crossed. And then later on, I found him at the event with his wife and just asked him how he felt like he did in the race. And we talked for a moment, and we both agreed that um, helping each other um, or that running together really helped both of us um, continue to run the race and achieve the pace that we did. I ended up running the race in about an hour and 19 minutes, which is a 7.54 pace, which is faster than I had planned or expected that I'd be able to do. As I was running that morning, I noticed, um, I, I, was, I was noticing the events that were transpiring, and this verse came to mind, and the, the talk this morning came to mind, and I couldn't help but think as I was running that the Lord was illustrating for me what I needed to share. Um, <clears throat> so what it looked like, perhaps, to depend on a neighbor nearby, nearby than a brother far away, um, as well as the importance of not running in this life alone, but with other brothers in Christ. So I want to take a few minutes just to share a, a few application points from that experience that I think the Lord shared with me, and I hope are encouraging to you. Uh, the first few are a couple of application points just from the race itself. So considering Proverbs 27.10 again, better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. You know, during the race, the neighbor turned, or the stranger turned running partner uh, with his presence was far more helpful to me than anyone in this room could have been at that time, Right? or any one of my biological brothers uh, could have been at that time. I could have called one of you. I could have called Trent and said, hey, Trent, talk me through this, man. And no matter what Trent could have said, it would not have helped me nearly as much as hearing the consistency of that guy's foot, uh, foot hit the pavement right behind me mile after mile after mile through that race. Running together provided accountability that we both needed 
in order to endure the race that was set before us. Hebrews 12, 1 came to mind. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so close, clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The consistent sound of my running partner's feet hitting the path behind me was just what I needed to keep the pace. It was just what I needed to provide accountability, encouragement, and challenge to both me and him that day. Uh, We as men and brothers in Christ need that same consistent accountability, encouragement, and challenge in this life, don't we? We need to hear footsteps behind us right, on a regular basis, pushing us forward. Brothers in the Lord to run the race with. We need help from one another to lay aside weights and sins that hinder us, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Secondly, as I was running the race, the Lord also brought to mind the importance of having both a Paul and a Timothy in our lives. A Paul is someone who is pouring into us. A Timothy is someone who we turn around and pour into. And while Paul was not Timothy's earthly father, he called Timothy his true child in the faith. And the love that Paul had for Timothy was evident in his writing. And I think we need someone like Paul who is willing to invest in us, to teach us, to train us, to disciple us, or just simply to pour into us from their overflow. I mean, in the most basic terms, that is what discipleship is. It's someone walking alongside of us and pouring into us from their overflow. We need someone in the race with us who is able to set the pace, someone that we can follow along closely behind, imitating them, as Paul said, he imitates Christ. So just like we need a Paul in our lives to pour into us, I think we also, even for the young men in the room, this does not uh, exclude you, we need a Timothy in our lives as well. You need someone that you are pouring into. Uh, Someone coming along behind that we can invest in. Someone that's following our pace uh, in this race of life and looking to our example. I don't think that we will grow nearly as much or as quickly without both of these people in our lives, without someone who is pouring into us and without someone that we are pouring into. Both of these provide accountability for us. When we pour into someone, it provides accountability uh, in and of itself. It pushes us to stay ahead. I had to stay ahead of this guy. If he was expecting me to set the pace in that race, I had to stay ahead of him. If I just you know, ran into the woods and sat down for a while. I wouldn't be setting the pace for him like I needed to be setting. I had to stay ahead. It pushes us to stay ahead, to stay sharp, to stay alert. One of the best ways to stretch ourselves and to force ourselves to continue to grow is to turn around and to teach somebody else. For those of us with children, this includes, you know, just the basics of teaching our children on a regular basis in family devotions you know, as you rise and as you lie down and all throughout our week. We need a Timothy in our lives we can pour into, just like we need a Paul in our lives who is pouring into us. And then thirdly, 
We need men, we need friends. The last application point is that we as men need friends. Uh, While this might be an obvious statement, and probably the average man here at Antioch is likely in a better place than most men in our society when it comes to having good friends. I think that there's a decent chance, though, that many of us in this room might raise a hand and say, I struggle in this area. I have lots of men that I know I can turn to, but do I truly have a friend that I I can go to or that I do go to on a regular basis to help push me forward, to help grow one another? In a 2021 article on Desiring God uh, website, John Bloom writes, Studies are confirming that many of us, what many of us already knew by observation and experience. As men grow older, they typically lose close connection with male friends. By the time they reach middle age, many men in Western cultures, including Christian men, have few or no close friends. Friends who really know them. It's a troubling trend. We have a growing population of lonely older men, and we're discovering that loneliness is as damaging to our health as smoking. In the Desiring God article, John Bloom referenced a 2017 article in the Boston Globe that is entitled, The Biggest Threat Facing Middle-Aged Men Isn't Smoking or Obesity, It's Loneliness. And I'm going to read... uh, A portion of that article, it's a bit lengthy, but bear with me. In the article, it states that Vivek Vivek, uh, Murthy, the Surgeon General of the United States, has said many times in recent years that the most prevalent health issue in the culture, excuse me, in the country, is not cancer or heart disease or obesity, it is isolation. This was written in 2017, before COVID. Think about what it's like now. The article goes on to say, A researcher from Britain's University of Oxford presented study results that most guys understand, what most guys understand intuitively, men need an activity together to make and keep a bond. Women can maintain friendships over the phone. My wife is capable of having long phone talks with her sister in Virginia or her friend Casey, whom she sees in person almost every day anyway, and I kind of look on this with amazement. I hate the phone. My guy friends seem to share my feelings because our phone conversations seem to naturally last maybe five minutes before somebody says, all right, catch you later. (laughs) Dudes are not going to maintain a bromance that way or even uh, over a once in a blue moon hangout together. We need to go through something together. That's why studies have shown men tend to make their deepest friendships through periods of intense engagement like school or military service or sports. That's how most of us are comfortable. Researchers have noticed a trend in photographs taken of people interacting. When female friends are talking to each other, they do it face to face, but guys standing side by side. Looking at the world together. In the middle years of life, those side-by-side opportunities to get together are exactly the sort of things that fall off. When you have a gap in your schedule, you feel bad running off with the fellas and leaving your spouse alone. 
and the guys I'd like to spend time with are all locked up in the same bind as me. Planning anything takes great initiative. And if you take, have to take initiative every time you see someone, it's easy just to let it disappear. That's why Schwartz and others say, I think he was someone quoted earlier in the article that I'm not quoting right now. But anyway, that's why Schwartz and others say the best way for men to forge and maintain friendships is through a built-in regular with built-in regularity, something that is always on the schedule. You know, while the article is not written from a biblical perspective, right? I think that a lot of what he's addressing here is real. It's real for us. It's real as Christian men. And an encouragement that I think we all need to build much-needed friendships with other men, men that we can run the race with, um, men that we have a, a deeper bond with, that we are able to be vulnerable with and share struggles and needs, uh, anxieties, and uh, encourage and challenge and spur each other on. So... I want to finish today um, having you take a few minutes to answer the questions on the sheet on your table. If you do not have one, then walk around to one of the tables that has extra and find one. Um, Answer the questions on the sheet, and then I want to open it up for a a group discussion. Yeah. He did. He did. I wouldn't have had the pace I had without him leading. Yeah. And he might have had a worse time. Right, right. Uh, so flip that back into the, into the walk mm-hmm. of mankind, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, I thought about that dynamic as well. And, and you know, um, what you said as well, too, that, that sometimes a lot of the relationships we have, there may be an opportunity where, you know, those roles reverse at times, where I'm a Paul at times and I'm a Timothy at times in that relationship. And, both of us, you know, in the race analogy, took turns leading, and uh, there were certainly times where, you know, even for a man who might be older and more mature, or further down the path than you, will will go through a time where he needs you to pull him along and say, "Hey, man, you can do this. You can do this." There were lots of times in the race where one of us, um, I, I was leading most of the times, so it was usually me, was turning around and saying, "Hey, come on, you got this. You got this," and that's what we need from each other, right? Someone who is saying, hey, you got this. But there are times when that role does reverse because, you know, you, you need um, someone to, to spur you along and to remind you to keep going. You know, I was thinking, I said, you know, I, I, I want, we, we as fathers want our children to uh, exceed us, to go beyond us. Um, and I was thinking, I, I would like for them to go beyond us as quickly as the Lord would like for them to, but there's part of me that said, I don't really want them to pass me until I'm near the finish line. Like, I, I don't want to be lagging so far behind, you know, as a father in my spiritual walk that, hey, good job, buddy. Doing great. I, I, I want to, to, to help keep the pace, right, for those that are coming along behind, but I do want my children to exceed me, to go beyond me, to go farther, to go faster than, than I have. How, how, how far behind you is Mark? Hmm? How far behind you is Mark? Well, oh, yeah, I'm still trying to catch up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, in the race. I thought you were talking about in life. I'm, I'm still trying to catch up in life. <laughs> well, yeah. Yep. So... 
Uh, all right, for, so, so but as we wrap up, and if, if somebody else has a, a thought to share, then please speak up. But I do want to, uh, I know that we polled the audience at uh, men's retreat and asked if there were men who are not in an Ironman group but would like to be in an Ironman group. I know that we have, um, you know, uh, some, some men here, uh, Nathan and others, who have to get to work really early, and a morning Ironman group is just not going to cut it. Um, unless you want to have an Ironman group at what, maybe 3.30, 4 in the morning, something like that? What, what, time, what time do you leave? Uh, oh, okay, okay, all right. Later than I thought. Man, golly. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I want to encourage you as men, if you are not in an accountability group, uh, you know, the, like the, the, the article from the Boston Globe talked about, it, we, we need to be with men who have some consistency to the relationship. It's not just, hey, I might pass you in the hall on Sunday and say, hey, how you doing? Have a good week? Great. Uh, we need something more regular than that, more consistent than that, uh, where we can sit down face to face uh, with each other or do something, work out, work out together, go running together or whatever, where where we're doing something together and having a conversation. So um, if you are looking for an Ironman group, I know that the group that I'm in uh, uh, could use um, some additional, uh, somebody else, either one or two people um, that we could take. And I know that if, if you are in an Ironman group that has room, can you raise your hand? We've got one, two, three, four, four hands, five with mine going up. So. If you're not in one, uh, then do consider it. Okay, any other thoughts or comments before we wrap it up? All right, well, let's pray. Lord, we do give you thanks and praise for um, being the one, the ultimate one that we follow, for uh, helping us to, to know through your word, um, through the teaching of your word, through prayer, through um, sitting uh, under the preaching of your word at church through so many ways, Lord, how we are to walk this life, uh, how we are to walk the path of this life. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as men to be faithful, that we would run the race that is set before us with endurance, that we would lay aside weights and sin that entangle us, Lord, and that we would look to you, um, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, I pray that we would not run this race alone, that we would run it with men alongside of us, men that are pouring into our lives, men that we can pour into, Lord, as we, as we run. I pray that you would help us to be faithful, that we would not be isolated. Lord, I pray that if there's a man or men in this room that are isolated, Lord, that you would convict us this morning, that you would convict us, that you would help us to get out of our comfort zone, that you would help us to get out of our our four walls, and to go find help, to go find friendship that we need to spur us forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>